0: This podcast is sponsored by Low No Drinker magazine, the number one UK magazine for the sober curious drinker, bringing you news, reviews and interviews from the people, places and brands leading the low and no alcohol revolution. As a Sober Rebel listener, use code SOBERREBEL15 to get 15% off any digital or print subscription from the Low No Drinker magazine for six whole months. Hello and welcome to the Sober Rebel podcast. I'm Louisa Evans and I talk to my guests about the joys of sobriety and the benefits that it's brought them. We talk a bit about their story and how they got sober, but we also talk about why they enjoy staying sober. And today I'm talking to Ian, also known as Sober Retake on Instagram. He's been sober for over three years now and he's noticed some really different things, in his sobriety. So Ian, hi, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Tell us a little bit about yourself, anything you'd like to share about your sobriety, how long you've been sober, why you went sober.
1: Yeah, I mean, now I've been sober for over three years. Now, it's, it's a big number in sobriety, but I always say to anybody I talk to about sobriety, yes, it's three years, but it's one day after another. I was in in a supermarket the other day. I was talking to somebody and I said, I'm just one decision away from going back to square one. Because you look over there, there's a big pyramid of beer. Over there, there's bottles of vodka. And I could pick one of those up instead of cat food or whatever I've gone in for. And I'm only one step away. So don't get too hung up on the numbers. It's a constant work in progress. I mainly decided that I'd had enough of just feeling awful all the time and I was turning into somebody who I didn't really like yeah. and it wasn't my record for days people say oh the n- number of days again is my um, record was four days previous to my sobriety because you know by the Wednesday I was thinking oh, I've got to go to the shop in there, anyway, my wife would say oh for goodness sake either go at the shop and buy yourself a bottle of wine or don't you know you've really got to try and make a decision we have this constant Every week, on off, on off, what we're going to do? Yeah, I followed a few people on Instagram because I thought, I know, I'll set up a sober account to be accountable. So if I actually come out there and say, right, this is what I'm doing, then if people are watching, or it's more than just me, I feel like I feel like I'll be letting people down. It just gives me something to work towards. It's like doing a sponsored walk, I suppose. You know, you've got to get to the end because people are relying on you. Yeah, you know, they've, I always in my head, only celebrities get sober because they can afford rehab. They've got a team of people around them all the time. yeah. But then it suddenly made me realize that you can do this. And once I got into that mindset, it really helped.
0: It does help, doesn't it? It does help seeing those people that you think, actually, that reminds me of me yeah. a little bit. I looked at mums and um, other women in their 40s and thought, well, if you can do it in your 40s, because you sort of get to this point where you think, oh, well, I don't know whether I can be bothered now. Which sounds awful because you're only, I'm only 45. Yeah. But you think, well, this is just me. Shall I just be a bit of a a wine mum?
1: Yeah, I I thought the same. I thought, well, that's just how I am. But then, you know, things don't change unless things change, do they? You know, you've got to change something. I thought, what have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? What am I missing out on? And I sat and thought about it. And I thought, well, do you know what? I'm just going to give this a try See, see where I go. And very quickly, it was more than giving it a try. It was, no, this is really what I want to do. Because yes, you do have the, the cravings and the triggers. You know, there's all sorts of different methods, and we all talk about sober toolboxes and you know all these different things. And that worked really well. I really connected with a sober toolbox because, like, for people coming up, to, we're coming up to Christmas soon. Yeah. Um, just think about what you're going to do if you're sitting around that dinner table at Christmas and your bottle of wine's there, or somebody's drinking wine, because I never stop anybody from drinking at all. They you know, do their own thing. What are you going to do? And for me, it was like, right, okay, I'm going to go for a walk. And so I told everybody beforehand, listen, because they all knew that I was on my service I was about six months in on the first Christmas. And I said, if I just disappear, everything's fine. I'm just going to go for a walk, a bit of a reset, then I'll be back. And it worked really well. But the good thing about it is it wasn't a panic decision, because I already put the process in place before I felt under pressure
0: yeah and you pre-warned people as well so there was no that's a really 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 good thing for people to have in their toolbox because this is my first Christmas but it'll be just before my first year soberversary and so yeah I mean last Christmas was awful and and so I'm really looking forward to it having that in mind and just saying I'm just going to go for a walk
1: just some escape plan you've pre-put together. When when you're in that misty, sort of red mist moment, it's difficult to make a rational decision because you're thinking, oh, I don't know, I'm feeling like this. But if you think, ah, hang on, I know what I'm going to do because I've already mapped it out.
0: Yeah, you've got that yeah. plan. What else is got in got your sober toolbox then?
1: No, but there's all sorts of things really. It's like in early sobriety, it's, it's to drive, drive places. I mean, as long as you don't drink and drive, obviously. But, I mean, it just takes that decision, takes that away. I mean, if I go to a festival, and it's a day one, I will drive. I will do these things. And to latch on to your sober friends. Because more often than not, if you actually open, take your blinkers off and speak to people about sobriety, you'll find out that you didn't perhaps know, but some of your immediate friends don't drink. Yeah. You didn't realise. And then it's to have that. I mean, I went to my first festival and it was, first festival, the first festival sober. And it's, it's one I go to every year. And how am I going to survive this festival? Because it's a very drinky festival. And two of my closest friends are sober. And they were there and they just said, don't worry about it. We've got your back. You know, just chill out. Yeah. You know, stick around. And so we sort of hung around and and I didn't even think about it after that. It's a sober tribe, isn't
0: it? Yeah, there's bound to be somebody.
1: Even ask for help. You can say to somebody, look, I'm I'm not drinking tonight. You know, always ask for help.
0: Yeah, I agree on that one. I do hear a lot of people saying, oh, I don't want to tell anybody. I, I want to keep it a secret. And I did the opposite. I told everyone because I thought, firstly, if I'm tempted, I'm going to have people then supporting me, talking me out of it. Come on, Louise, you don't really want to do that. But also, even if I was going to an event, I would just tell the person I was going with, even if they were a drinker, I'd just say, look, please make sure I don't drink. You know, so that gives you support as well.
1: I mean, I understand with some people, especially professional people, they don't feel comfortable in announcing sobriety. But you don't have to. It doesn't have to be a rock bottom sobriety. I'm just done with alcohol, which is why I love Sober October. People in sobriety is a very sort of mixed camp about Sober October because the idea is you don't get the rewards. You just have the hardship through October, then go back to drinking again where normally you'd get the start to feel the rewards after 30 days. So it should be October and November, really. It's a perfect start for someone who doesn't feel like they can announce their sobriety. It uh, is. I'm just doing sober October, the end.
0: Or I'm training for a marathon, like, as I say, a health kick, or I'm trying something new. But dry January again, obviously, is coming up.
1: I did dry January four days. But, I mean, it's looking at why you started. I mean, it course, quickly sort of start from the beginning. I started drinking at quite an early age because going back to mid-80s, got no phones, no anything, no internet, no games consoles. You know, it really was. And we all used to congregate at the pub. And it was quite just assumed that you would start drinking. It's crazy when you think about it. But it was it was such a small place. And I was quite lonely as a child. I always say there was only two of the children in the village and I didn't like one of them. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I didn't have any confidence at all. I was such a shy thing. And I found this wonderful thing called alcohol. It gave me a bit of confidence, Dutch courage. I felt more confident. And as time went on, especially as a late teenager, it was needed all the time. And the only thing that was governing my alcohol intake was finances because I was only sort of doing an engineering apprenticeship earning minimum wage. And so you could only afford a certain amount of alcohol. But like many people, as time goes on, your finances get better. Alcohol comes down in price, not up, especially when the supermarkets start selling it 24-7. Yeah, and um, it
0: was about that time and three yeah. for a tenner on the wine.
1: Three for a tenner from Asda, I remember that. I remember, casting my mind back, but it was when you go into a shop to buy alcohol and it was covered over when it wasn't pub hours. They had
0: I didn't remember. 20. I don't remember yeah. that.
1: Yeah, it was. If I had to put a date to it, I would say it was about 94 what I'm getting around to saying, it was something I needed for confidence. And then it's something that took my confidence away. Because without it, I'd got no confidence. So it ended up going a full circle. And it just went on and on all through my first marriage. Any excuse for drinking, you know, every birthday party, every event. And I was a bit of a an alcohol pusher, if you like. Do you want a drink? Do you want a glass of wine? No, I'm all right. It's a bit early for me. No, no, go on. Oh, well, I'll have one. You know, and it was just an excuse to top my glass up. Yeah. And it just went on and on and on. So in the end, many years later, like 35 years later, I decided that um, it seeped into every part of my life. Yeah. You know, and of course, on a more lighter side of it, I don't think I ever saw the end of a movie because on a Saturday or Sunday or Saturday night or whatever movie night, by Arpest 9, it was lights out, to be honest, because I'd get two bottles of wine my wife would probably have a glass to stop me drinking the whole lot to myself because she's not a drinker. It just got to the point where I couldn't think of a more boring existence for a wife than to see her husband snoring on the sofa while she's sitting on her own watching the end of a movie.
0: Yeah. I've got that in sobriety, though. My husband can't stay awake for anything. (laughs) I was going to ask, actually, because that must be if she's not a drinker. Yeah, you're right. I can't imagine as somebody now that doesn't drink being around somebody on a mission to be basically comatose themselves. Yeah. By about nine o'clock, it, it yeah. must be the most boring thing.
1: Yeah. It was terrible. A sort of open conversation. Our, our Sunday mornings, we sit down in the lounge, no TV on, no radio on, and we just chat. And it's about a two-hour, three-hour conversation. We could be about anything. And she's openly said, "I've got to be honest, Ian. If if you hadn't of changed your ways, I don't think I could have put up with it long term." She said we would have yeah. had to seriously. I would. She would have had to look at her options, and you hear that more and more, you know, because she doesn't drink really. She should have a glass of wine, but she's one of these lucky people, if you call it lucky. But she, you could have a glass of wine, put the lid back on, then have a cup of tea. Yeah, they're, you know,
0: they're unicorns.
1: Yeah, and she'd leave it in the in the in the thing in the kitchen. Two days later, tip it or three days, tip it down the sink. Even now, I just shake my head and think, Jesus, that would never happen.
0: See, though, as a smoker, though, because I'm an ex-smoker from years and years ago, I was never somebody who'd just have one cigarette. And do you remember those people that you would go to a party and, and you think, oh, you, I didn't know you smoked. Oh, I just have one when I'm having a drink, You know, yeah, and you think, yeah. how are you doing that? Yeah. I'm either in or I'm out with these things. I'm either drinking or I'm not, or smoking or I'm not.
1: That's right. I don't know how they do it. I don't know. I mean, um, I used to go out drinking with my brother. And when I got divorced in the previous life, I went to live with my brother for a while. He lived on his own just while I was between moving, and like lasted three years. That like, between moving, but um, he'd got beer in the cupboard that had gone off six months out of date, and I just couldn't believe it. A single bloke on his own, and he said, "Oh, I just don't drink it home. Someone bought me it for Christmas, and I just put it in the cupboard and forgot about it." I just couldn't believe it. You know, I just said, There's no... "I drank it. <laughs> Probably more alcoholic if it's gone off." Oh goodness. And and um, yeah, so. But that's what it was like. And and that period was a heavy drinking period as well because I'd got no family life. Yeah. So it was just an open ticket to go out when I wanted and come back when I wanted. It was, yeah.
0: So what made you actually then decide three odd years ago, enough's enough?
1: I think it was the morning hangovers. It was waking up. And I was heavily into cycling at the time. I was on a fitness drive and I'd go out early in the morning with two bottles of wine on board, you know, hung over, feeling ill, constantly feeling sick and, and just not, not being very nice, you know, just not being a nice person. And I know nice is a, is a nice word, you know, it covers a multitude of things. But it's just that being kind, being happy. You know, I was constantly half empty. Everything was, but it's depression. It was Mm. that sort of, uh, yeah, paranoia. Really, what what's going on? That how does it affect me? And you know, and I've I've just had enough. And it's been open to change. That was it. Just thinking to myself, I've done this for so long. If I don't change now, then it's going to be too late. What am I going to do? End up on my deathbed and suddenly go, Hang on, I'm not really like this. Mm. I, I could be different. You know, it's, it's, it's to make that decision while you can. i being influenced by people, you know, just watching people who say things that I connected with. I thought, Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I met Andy Ramage and I've I read his book. He said about no longer using willpower. He said, when you've only got so much willpower, that's it. When it's gone, it's gone. So if you can change your mindset to, I want to do this rather than I, I need to do this then all of a sudden you're not using any willpower at all because it's something you want to do. Yeah, and I mean, it was, it was much better put than that, but that's that's the, the short version. And I thought, do you know what? That's right. If I want to do something, there's no stopping me. I will move heaven and earth to make, if I want to do something to make sure. But if, if I'm using willpower for it, I'll soon give up. Drinking with the guys, we had some fun. We've had some laughs. Not as many as you think, considering how long I've been drinking, when you think back of how many fun times, You probably think, oh, I've got 10 memories I can think of. Well, yeah, but you went out 10 times in two weeks. So what about all the other 35 years? But I've had some much better times being sober. Sober holidays, fantastic. We went down to Dorset and I spent the whole week on the beach looking for fossils. And then we never went in a pub, I don't think.
0: I can't wait to, we've not really done abroad. Sober. Yeah. And I can't wait to go and explore abroad? Because I remember when I was younger going to Italy and all I saw was the inside of bars and pubs.
1: Yes well I went to Rome and I ordered a large beer. He came trotting over thought it was hilarious with one of those great big oh no you know and I just thought dodding around Rome then for the rest of the day feeling a little bit woozy. Why would I want to do that when it's such a wonderful place? Instead of looking through a pub window or finding even experiencing nicer food. Like we find really small cafes and little restaurants where they're about the food, not about cheap beer. And you don't get all the die standing at the bar who have been there all day. It's somewhere I'm taking my wife. You know, it's somewhere I want a nice place to be. It's just improved things such a lot.
0: So let's let's move on then to your first benefit of sobriety, the thing that you've noticed has changed the most for you.
1: Yeah, the, the first thing is to be kinder and happier. It's just having that half full glass to walk around, head up, being aware of other people and how they are feeling. If I can do anything to make someone's life better, I will. And, it, and that sounds a bit naff, I suppose. But it's not meant like, it genuinely, if somebody's having a hard time, it's to say to them, what's going on? Are you okay? I mean, I had someone the other day where I see them regularly at work and I just said, have you got a second? And um, I pulled them to one side and I said, is everything okay? Because you just don't seem your normal self at the moment. I just wanted to make sure you're okay. And it happened that it, it had a pet and it passed away, which lots of, it's a very sad thing. And he was okay. We had a really 20 minute conversation about it. We both left there. And it was just happier. And he had a bit more of a spring in his step. And next time I saw him, he said, "Hi oh, Ian, how are you doing? You know, I said, I'm fine, you know. And it's happened a few times where I've had conversations with people. You can just see the inner torment in their mind. You know, he said, are you okay? Um, I was having my glasses done the other day, getting some new glasses. And I had a conversation with the girl there. And I won't tell you her business, but it she wasn't okay. And we had a 25-minute chat. And it was just like, it's just an ear for someone to listen.
0: Isn't that beautiful, though? That opportunity to notice and, you know, not nursing a hangover or not zoned out because you've been drinking. You can actually hear and see and be empathic like that and pick up on things. And a lot of the time, people just want somebody to ask them, Are you okay?
1: So it's just being happier, more upbeat, walking around head up, and just, I'm on a mission to help people, I think.
0: What were you like then as a drinker?
1: I was never like a day drinker or a morning drinker or anything like that. I'd make sure that I'd got a plan to pick some up on the way home or I'd try not to buy too much in one go. Because obviously then you, if I bought two bottles of wine and drank one by nine o'clock, you'd be thinking, oh, i just have another glass. And that's when the danger zone really is. Opening that second bottle is, if, you, if you're yeah. opening another bottle, you really need to think about why you've opened that second bottle. But no, I just used to walk round, if I'd gotta to go to the shop, not say anything hardly at all, and just come away. When I first got my glasses again, another glasses story. But they they'd got this deal going on and I'd signed up for it. It was New Year's Eve, I remember it, and I was thinking, I'm gonna be here till next New Year's Eve at this rate. Be I mean Easter before I get out of here. And then I said to myself, if I have a meltdown now, the only thing I'm gonna accomplish is leaving here without my glasses. That's mm. it. That, that's the two things. You either shut up, sit there, let them do what they've got to do and come away with your glasses, albeit an hour later than you would have been, or you'll just leave without them. There's your two options. So that's a sober decision where a drunken, hungover decision would have been, I ain't got time for this. I'm, you know, rah, 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 and I'd have left. Yeah. So it's just being that half empty. The whole world owes me a living. How come they're they're doing this and I'm not very... um Paranoid, really, about just things in general.
0: It's almost like quite selfish, isn't it? And it I, I totally hear you. I think because there's this drug that you are addicted to, and yeah. it, it's not to excuse anything, but you do, your focus is on the drug. I've I, I mentioned smoking before in this yeah. episode, but as a smoker, I was the same with a cigarette. I wanted my cigarette. I wanted to know when my coffee break was mm-hmm. going to be or when the meeting was going to stop so that I could go out and get my fix. And it's a bit like that with alcohol.
1: Yeah, I mean, even like was, we've mentioned, my wife, she's not a drinker. But I'll say if I say to her, I go in the in the kitchen and I'll say, "I'm going to get." I do drink alcohol-free beers, things like that. I will say, "Can I get your glass of wine?" So I've got no problem. We've got wine in the house. We've got gin in the house. It's just something I don't even think about now. And she'll look at the clock and go, "No, actually, I'm fine," because she's got strict opening hours in her own mind, opening hours, which is for her an acceptable time to have a glass of wine she'd never have a glass of wine at half six it would be eight o'clock and she wouldn't have a glass of wine after 10 o'clock you know it's like a very short window and
0: yeah um, it's not a pub I'd go to I must admit no
1: No, it doesn't it's definitely not um yeah not a nightclub
0: (laughs) I find my opening hours just got earlier and earlier so like it started off but I wouldn't have a drink before seven yep. and if I was doing things in the evening and um, when I was a lot younger when my drinking started I'd come home about 10 o'clock and maybe have a glass of wine or a couple of glasses of wine before bed but it got earlier and earlier and earlier and then it, with the school runs once you become a mum it's like well that's 3.30 then you've picked up your wine and you come home and then I'd be watching it watching the clock waiting for five o'clock and then it doesn't take long for that to be 4.30 no you know, and it's that's what I was finding. It was like a slippery slope.
1: I still now have the same feeling every morning when I wake up i i wake up, I'm up early i i mean I've, even today I was up at six but i I just so pleased I'm not hungover. I couldn't imagine nursing a hangover now, yeah, it'd just be my work. I've got too much to do you know i i just I just wouldn't want to be there, you know,
0: and that awful thing of driving as well the next day.
1: Well, people might think, oh, I've I've got a country drive to work or the route, never see a policeman. All it takes is somebody to run into you. I mean, let's ignore that you shouldn't be doing it anyway. But if you are over the limit and somebody runs into you, the first thing that's happened is you'll both get bethaelised.
0: You know, there was even um, at one point, there was a website that you could go on and my friends used to use it where you could put the time you started drinking, how many units you drunk, and it would tell you what time the next day you'd be sober. And we did this, and it was shocking. Yeah. Absolutely shocking. Like, four o'clock the next afternoon, you know. How on earth? Because you feel fine the next day.
1: Yes. It's funny, now. I'm desperate to get stopped by the police for drink driving. Now, Not for drink driving, but to be breathalyzed. You want to be breathalyzed. Because I'm like, I think the police would have to go, look, we've got to go now. I'd give them my whole sober story. you are going to listen to this. I mean, I put a post on Instagram this morning, and I found it really interesting. I went to the doctor's when I was 50, or 51 actually, for a routine health check, you know, blood, take bloods and everything else. And the first question she asked me before anything else was how many units of alcohol do you drink a week? And I thought, isn't that interesting? The first question I get asked is, what do you drink? Because that must have the biggest effect on people's health. You know, we all know about that. I mean, I'm not qualified to start going on about that. I just found that really interesting. And it was really liberating to say, well, actually, it's a big fat zero. And she was like, really? I said, yeah, I don't drink at all. And I said, I have drank.
0: And I found that interesting as well at the dentist. I didn't even know the dentist asks about alcohol. No. But I had to go to a new dentist and on the form, how many units of alcohol? And I thought, well, obviously, because it's your mouth. Yeah. They're checking for nice. oral cancer and things like that, aren't they, yeah. all the I time?
1: Mean, as well, every night we go to bed and clean our teeth, don't
0: well, unless you've had a drink and you forget.
1: Unless yeah. you've had a drink and forget. Now, if you're a habitual drinker waking up on the, on the sofa every night and mm. the pile of clothes down there the next morning, you're telling me that on the way past the bathroom that you're going to stop and clean your teeth. So really what's happening is you're now cutting down your oral hygiene by half. Yeah. It's got to have a knock-on effect.
0: My skin has improved ridiculously in sobriety. And part of that is sobriety. But I put a lot of it down to the fact that I take my makeup off every night. I cleanse. I am looking after my skin. I'm drinking more water. I'm doing so many different things. And same with the, the cleaning the teeth.
1: Yeah, it's go to bed, get up, sort of. But it makes you feel better, doesn't it? This, as I was saying about the kind of happier half full, it's everything. You're laying the foundations for being happier. Little tiny things. I call them sobriety foundation stones. You lay all these foundation stones down and they're solid. And when you start building your sobriety castle on it, the first gust of wind its not going to fall over. It's going to stay upright.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that takes time, doesn't it, to build over. Yeah. I know that to drink now, I would lose too much. I would lose how free I feel eating food and the freedom to eat what I want to eat. I would lose how good I feel in the morning I would lose my skin being so much better I would have to then worry again about my weight and trying to keep my weight down which I know I wouldn't manage if I was drinking the the way that I was drinking before so I'd have to then cut the food out so there's far too many things now that I'd be losing
1: don't you think it's a lot of all those things you'd have to start thinking about again
0: yeah brain power
1: If, if it was a an A spreadsheet, you'd have to type all these things on, which you're going to have to do just to accommodate alcohol back in your life.
0: That's exactly what it feels like, accommodating it back.
1: But in order to have you in, I need to move all these, reschedule my day to make sure that I've got room for you. But I understand that not everybody is addicted to alcohol because they just went to the pub when they were younger and got caught up in a loop. You know, lots of alcoholics, if you like that word, or alcohol dependent people, it's trauma based it's because they can't cope. Something's happened to them, you know, whatever it may be. And in order to get through the day, they have to blank that out. People do a lot with bereavement. If they, it just makes it all go away just for the night. And then the next day they're onto their own. And that's where people like yourself, therapists and counselors and everybody else come into their own to help people get rid of that trauma or to deal with it before. So then they can conquer, they can think about sobriety
0: and it can be a really scary thing having that moment or vulnerability with somebody it's easier to drink at that yeah. point
1: somebody said to me the other day joe blogs down the road he can drink and you know why am i different to my other friends there's two things one you're not different to your other friends at all you know you you've, you're like a magnet and it's just different iron filings mm. so that they might it might be alcohol it might be chocolate it might be it could be anything at all so don't beat yourself up on that And two, how do you know that your friend's telling you the truth?
0: If you want to hear the truth about how much somebody drank or drinks, talk to somebody who's sober. Yeah. They won't have said that when they were a drinker. There's no way I'd have told people how much I drank.
1: I mean, someone said to me the other day, how much do you think is too much to drink? I said, well, I don't. I said, if whatever you drink is affecting your life in a negative way, then that is the point where you need to start looking at your relationship with alcohol. It, it, it might be one glass of wine. If that's affecting your life, then that's too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. If you're relying yeah. on it at all, if you, if you th- can't imagine that meal out like, without a glass of wine, ask yourself why. That's right. So let's move on to your second point then.
1: The second point of sobriety is being more focused at work. A lot of people don't talk about, but it's a big part of your life. You know, you go to work, you're offering your services to your, your employer. You know, they're paying you X amount of money for you to do a job for them in the day. So instead of turning up hungover and having that Monday morning feeling on a Thursday, is to turn up, be at your desk on time and actually enjoy what you're doing. Take pride in what you're doing. You know, at my desk at work is a clear desk. I'm very proud of the fact that I'm unless something happens traffic wise, I'm never late. Because I'm up on time, I get to work. You know, everything's ready the night before. You know, so it's being more, just be more dedicated in what you're doing. I mean, it's, the being sober means I can turn up and do these things. And because what I do is a lot of numbers. It's all to the Excel spreadsheets with lots of different numbers all the time. And being hung over is just not an option, really. You can't really function. You're only given 50%. It's half empty. So it's just being alert, happier at work, and things will change honestly you know your relationship with other employees gets better because you're happier when you go in i'm terrible for oversharing things and i have to hold even before i would say my wife to go okay and i think you've had enough now it's because i'm passionate about things the things i'm interested in I'll probably similar to yourself i'd imagine yeah so yeah that's my second one really is to be at the top of your game and just be able to function at a much higher level.
0: Yeah. And you're a manager, aren't you?
1: I'm a line manager. I haven't got a very big team. I, I am a manager, but it, it's something I've never really wanted to be. It's when I've never, it was just something that happened to come along. And I said, yeah, okay, there you go, you do your best.
0: And also, when you're doing your best at work, there's nothing more soul destroying when you know that you're not running at full capacity it's really you feel that
1: yeah you're right yeah it's, it's, it's when you know you're not ready to, as you say at full capacity it just sends the wrong signals both ways one up and down because you start questioning your own ability thinking well I haven't done that and I've forgotten that and oh am I any good at this
0: happiness and contentment and confidence comes from an inner self-esteem an inner knowing so that then things can happen around you and they don't affect you as much because things will happen.
1: And it's, it's also being in a position where if something happens, you can deal with it in a very level-headed way. Just have that pause button, that sort of second delay from your brain to your mouth.
0: This like sobriety gives you that buffer, that moment of pause before reaction. You're not volatile and if you're handling a hangover you're late you've already turned up. you're already at that matched boiling point
1: just taking that back step just think right okay take a back step look at everything in its own merit rather than try and tackle it when it's in the it's heat bit, the moment. like you say when when you're drinking I mean how many times have you checked your emails at night when you shouldn't really be checking them because just check that just in case I had an answer and there's something that's happened that's rattled you dug you in the ribs and you think right I'm going to answer that I go to bed and I get up the next morning and I answer it in the morning. That's what I do now. It just gives me that, okay, I'll read it again when I've calmed down.
0: Yeah. And never trust a thought after 9pm anyway.
1: No, uh... especially (laughs) when you've got a glass of wine in your hand.
0: But you are definitely better at work. There is, oh yeah, you know, you're a better employee, you're a better boss, you're a better colleague. You know, I've turned up to work and and when I did work for somebody, I I don't do that anymore. But there are times when when I was working in teams, where we'd be carrying each other, almost, you know, we knew that somebody was hanging, I could look across at my colleague and think, yeah, you've had a heavy night. And so I'd carry her for, and vice versa.
1: Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, how many meetings have you been in, where you're sitting near a radiator, and it's warm, and you've, you've a bit hungover in the morning, and you're, and you just think, I just can't stay awake" because you went to bed really late,
0: and it's a really it's a boring problem. meeting. Really yeah.
1: boring meeting, you know. <laughs> so
0: yeah, now we've all done
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what I, I did notice, just changing the subject, is I always thought that, oh, I'm, I'm hung over, I'm hungover. Now, this is the only, I've thought about this in great detail, and this is the only negative thing I can find for sobriety. The only one thing I've found, people say to me, is it, you know, it's all positive. So I say, yes, it is, that I realise I'm not quite as healthy as I thought I was. I don't get headaches, it's a it's wine. I don't feel sick It's because it's the wine. Of course, take that away and I still have the odd headache and I perhaps don't feel 100% and I can't put it down to anything else than just being, well, you know, being a bit off. Yeah. And so that's the only thing. It actually made me realise that I'm not superhuman. There are things that come along, aches and pains and things. So that's the only negative tide. It makes you very alert to yeah. everything in, in your body. You know, it just makes you realise you can't mask everything with alcohol when it's not there.
0: No, that's very true. And I've had a few bugs and things. The, yeah. the, the biggest negative for me is I have to keep changing my, my picture on my company website in the last 12 months. My face keeps changing.
1: <laughs> my, on my lanyard, it um, it shows me and I'm three and a half stone lighter because I did develop an eating disorder, which was quite severe. It was like I can't have more than 700 calories a day. I oh, can't, goodness. you know. And I was absolutely convinced I was enormous, if anybody feels like they want to. But you can backtrack down my Instagram account. I think it will go back that far. And I was stick thin. I went down to 12 stone 10. And bear in mind, I'm nearly six foot tall. And quite thick set. And I was not eating. I was telling fibs about where I'd eaten when I hadn't.
0: And this was something that developed later in life?
1: Well, no, yeah, I was um, 46 to 48, 49. I was cycling hard, like doing 40 or 50 miles in the evening Mm. and pushing myself to the limit, spin classes, not eating. I mean, the top of my arm, I could get my hand nearly around it. The muscle sort of just disappeared. It was, everything was wrong. I was living on Slim Fast. Other brands are available. I was supposed to have one in the morning, one at lunch. And I was convinced that was too much, so I cut the one out in the morning. I dropped literally four and a half stone in weight.
0: Were you drinking as well at that time? Yeah,
1: I was drinking. Yeah. I sat next to this guy at work when I worked in, in his team, and he actually said to me, do you know what, Ian? I've worked with you for a year, and I've never seen you eat anything. Never. Mm. Not ever. A sandwich, a crisp. I used to keep a slim fast in the car. That was it. And it's just so unhealthy, but that was paranoia. Alcohol... I'm fat, you know, and um, body dysmorphia. But that was all caused by alcohol.
0: And now, how do you feel now? I feel much um, better.
1: I mean, I, I'm a, I'd I'm like to be maybe half a stone lighter, which is my exercise and my walk. And I just am mindful about what I eat. It's completely gone. I mean, I have moments where I'll get a pair of jeans out the cupboard or they've just been washed and you put them on you think, I think COVID, all my clothes shrank with COVID. (laughs) But, um, you know, the lockdown, not actually COVID. But, um, yeah, so I feel much, much happier, really happier.
0: It's such a good topic to discuss because a lot of people that have alcohol dependency or have turned to alcohol, I mean, I had an eating disorder, I had bulimia for years and years and years and years. And the one thing that's completely seen any worry about my weight, body dysmorphia, and also calorie counting is quitting drinking. I was 95% sorted, I would say, um, but still drinking. I was overweight because I'd had a baby at that point, and I was was drinking calories. And I was then getting really frustrated that I couldn't lose weight. But what's really seen me, you're the first person I've spoken to that's gone, no, that was absolutely that paranoia, that body dysmorphia.
1: Absolutely, yeah, it was... It completely overtook my life. I'd get up in the morning. I'd say, I, I often say to people, speak to yourself how you speak to other people. I'd look in the mirror and I'd say some horrible things to myself. I'd never say those to anybody. Yeah. You know, I would never ever speak to anybody in the way I spoke to myself. You know, I'd say, oh, you fat bastard?" Or, you know, or like, you know. And I'd be pushing myself to the max, cycling, and and it would just be I need to. I'd weigh myself twice a day think why and if, if it went up that would be that day written off or you come home my wife would say um i thought we'd have some fish and chips tonight for a change do you fancy that and you, this alarm bell was screaming in your head saying i can't eat that
0: do you know we i around, still haven't
1: oh. yeah and we, we were around some families and say some friends house in newcastle and they have like a big their thing is breakfast it's a big family breakfast and i had one banana and I did can't. anybody
0: notice did anybody yeah well they did it? then
1: but, but a lot of people said, okay, you've lost some weight, but I think it's time to stop now. And it was like, no, now you've said that, it's made me feel even more determined. You know, I want to get down to 10 stone. Yeah. You no, know? I didn't realise, I I looked, I saw a picture of me the other day and I thought, what a poor lost soul. What a poor lost person sitting there. And my arms were thin. I've got nothing across my chest. My shoulders were sticking forward, and I just looked terrible.
0: Yeah, so, gosh, uh, yeah. I mean that is amazing. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that because no, I'm no, sure there not. are going to be people that are associating with that because I can talk about an eating disorder and I'm a a woman, and people expect it, and you know, but they also don't expect these things to happen later in life. They always think of teenagers right. and they think of girls. They yeah. don't think of of women or men. Then suffering later in life,
1: it's wanting to be. We all see pictures of people, you know, these people we think, God, I'd love to look like that, whoever it may be. And the alcohol just completely tricked me, if you like, into thinking that that's, I wasn't thinking straight, it wasn't, I wasn't able to function and think on that level where. You know, I could put together an eating plan where you eat whole foods, make sure you have enough protein, then you won't feel it. We all know, that, look at your diet. Eggs are full of proteins for two boiled eggs. blah, You won't feel hungry. And it was like I was eating the wrong stuff. I've always, I've always had a good diet. Not then, but in at home, we eat really well. We don't eat junk. I don't eat meat. I haven't eaten meat for 10 years. But it, it was just that brainwashed, you know,
0: Messes with your head, doesn't it? Yeah. Did you notice it just start to shift as the alcohol left your system or?
1: Well, it's combined into, in the end, I had a bit of a meltdown, to be honest. I got to the point where something had got to give. It was crisis point. I was training as hard as I could train, drinking far too much. And in the end, I had a meltdown at work. I wasn't the manager. Fortunately, it wouldn't matter if I was, but I wasn't the manager and um i just said to my boss i can't do this
0: mm-hmm. and i
1: had a bit of a, a proper amount of burst into tears in the office and i'm not ashamed to say it it was one of the side rooms and we went and he was really good he said look it's okay not to be okay he didn't really know what to say because it, it was like a and it's just out of the blue and i went to the doctors and i got put on i asked to be put on antidepressants i said because i just cannot snap this mood we didn't really talk about alcohol which looking back was quite a surprise. But once I'd got, had that lift and I did feel better quite quickly. That's, that coincided with me giving up alcohol as well. Yeah. It just managed to just pull me out of that. I just, it's like being at the bottom of a well and you can't quite reach the top. You, you know, it's there, but you're just falling short. I don't feel at all ashamed to say I'm still on them. Yeah. I've, I've gone up and down in different strengths. But um, it's, it's not something I can see in the near future where I'm going to come off. I think I'm just, I was naturally half empty. Maybe yeah. it's given me just that lift. We all take medication for various different reasons. So why why would you not take a medication if you're suffering from, I wouldn't say depression, that obviously needs a lot more work, but just low mood constantly you know, where it needs addressing. It's not just, oh, I'm having a bad day. you you don't have a bad six months you know it's obviously something going on in the background
0: yeah and I'm sure there must be people out there that that feel the same way because a friend said to me genuinely was it alcohol that completely removed any of that thinking for you and it was like yeah I'd sort of dealt with the behaviors and I distanced myself I'd use tools that I would use that you know when I say I trained for myself I really did I used the tools on myself yeah but So I shifted the behaviors. I shifted a lot of the thinking, but there was still thinking there. Like when you talk about fish and chips, my husband says to me all the time, do you know, I really fancy fish and chips. And I'm like, no, no, can't do that yet. Don't, you know, don't push too far. You know, that's just slightly outside of, in fact, it's made me think that maybe we'll do it tonight.
1: Fortunately, being vegetarian or pescatarian, I don't have many takeaways because what's the point?
0: But yeah. I don't have that same craving for that sort of food now that I don't no. drink. That was a drunken craving, definitely. Yeah.
1: Well, I always say to somebody, when was the last time you bought a kebab? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, a long time ago for me, or I don't know, pita bread with chips in, or something on the way back from the pub. And I said, now think about it, when you were drinking, there's your tooth. Not only have you had your alcohol calories, now you decide you're going to have 1,500 calories on the way home as well. Yeah, they're does anybody
0: mate. ever order a kebab sober? That's, that's a question, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah.
1: well, have you ever ordered a kebab sober? Wouldn't it, a kebab that weighs 300 weight that you're walking back trying to carry Dropping back? it all
0: on the floor, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I am so pleased that you're feeling better. I really yeah, am, and thank you um, for sharing.
1: No, no, it's. Um, I think it's important that people who are listening can feel safe in the knowledge that they're not on their own. Yeah. If you're feeling the same, you know, go and speak to your doctor. He was great. He really was
0: you're not on your own I mean if anything that that sober Instagram and sober social media shows you or social media full stop it's that if when people are being honest about what's really going on in their life that there is somebody experiencing or feeling the same way that you do and that you don't have to suffer in silence
1: people respect you just be honest yeah I, I am people ask me a question and I'll, I'll answer it you know and, and I, I I don't try and a veneer over things. I was talking to him. I say, "You're honest. You're open." I said, "Well, yes, I am, because that's what I was saying about being kinder and happier is just to be honest tonight."
0: So, what is your what is your third thing?
1: It works very closely with the first one, really, and that was to be fun and to be a better husband, stroke father at home. It's all to do with your life. We've all got our work lives, we've got our home lives. Now home life I think is is really important. You know, to to be kind and tolerant, just accepting things how they are, and just being able to make a sober be a fun, sober dad, fun, sober husband, running around the park playing football, chasing your son. When we go out, we, we do silly things and is not to be The dad who's still hung over watching TV, watching a repeat of Top Gear on the telly or something and not paying any attention to your kids. Or, you know, you know, there's some jobs that need doing in the house and you're just too hung over to even think about. Yeah, It's, it's just that's been a big change in my life. I mean, one of my lowest moments. And again, I don't feel I feel ashamed to say it, but I'll say it because I think people need to hear it. Is I remember buying a box. You know the boxes of wine were more. I do years ago. Well, they were good, really, because you couldn't see how much you were drinking for a start. So you never had that gauge on the front. Say, oh, hang on, I've had a bottle. It was just like keep going, you know. And I used to get my daughter, who was about seven, to fill up my glass because she used to like doing it and it, she thought it was fun. Yeah. I mean, thinking back, what what on earth was that? Now I I it just wouldn't happen. It just, well, it wouldn't happen because I don't drink. But it, it just being fun dad, but understanding that, yes, you are a fun dad. You are a parent. But exactly that, you are also a dad. And I, I say not to my son, but I say when I'm talking about people, yes, I might be Archie's mate, my son's mate. We have like lots of matey things we do. But I'm his dad. You know, I'm not his mate as such. I'm his dad who has fun with him. My job as a father, is to be consistent, and to show him boundaries that are consistent boundaries, you know, they're there. I mean, they've got a little bit of movement, but it's my job to be just reliable, and be, if I say I'm going to pick him up at seven, don't turn up at nine, you know, to pick him up on time, and to lead by example, really. I Just being there, available, present, reliable, and being a fun dad, who can do stuff, and be childlike but not be childish and not be false yeah it's genuinely have fun because we can all let our guard down and just have fun he's my son and i've got daughters as well but so playing football you know and things like that which my daughter sometimes comes at the park and kicks the ball around or we do things together but it's just being happy and then allowing them to have their space and just say what they want to say the only okay uh, uh, a good thing about my experiences is that now I'm a resource for my son, so instead of saying to him, "You can't I don't want you to drink I don't want you to do this, you will not do it is to say to him, "Yes, I'm happy for you to do it, but I can sort of helicopter parent really and just use my examples again, use my experiences to guide him say look just just take it easy yeah it, it's difficult because I've got to be careful how I put this. I want to be the father where if I go in a pub and I see Archie one too many at the bar, it's not buy him another drink. Be the dad who says, all right, mate, listen, why don't we go and get a bite to eat? Or just say to him, come on, we'll, we'll go out. Come on, we've got an early start tomorrow. We're going to go and do something or whatever. It's easy to, if you've got a 20-year-old son, to go out and get drunk with him. But it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. And I don't mean, if anybody, if that digs anybody in the ribs, I don't mean that to sound horrible. But it's it's just, why would I want to get my son absolutely hammered?
0: Yeah, and it's in sobriety you look back at, do you think, why have I, Why would I do that?
1: I need to take into account that things have changed. And, but in the, in the 80s, it was a very drinking culture. Working men's clubs, Sunday lunchtime, while their wives cooked the cook lunch. And it's an awful thing now, but that's how it was when I grew up. You know, so it was a sort of rite of passage. You would go to the pub. Sobriety means you don't have to follow the crowd, do you? And I've never been so beshamed because I'm so out there. The, England were playing football. It wasn't like, I can't remember what game it was now. And so we said, oh, are you coming at the pub? Are you coming up to watch the game? And I just said to him straight away, I would love to come at the pub and watch the game. But if anybody tries to push any alcohol on me while I'm there, I'm history. It's as easy as that. So there's that's the line. You know I don't drink. And what happened was they ended up being proud. My dad's the same. He'd go to the bar and say, can I have a pint of lager? And, oh, can I have a Heineken Zero? Because my son doesn't drink. Yeah. How cool is that? It's
0: you know, lovely. He, I think the is. attitudes are really changing. I do. Yeah, I see all the adverts now for 0% this and 0% that and 0 Guinness sponsoring the rugby. And
1: I think attitudes are changing. But it's a it's a combination of things. Like my daughter says, the things I do that she just doesn't like. She doesn't do Facebook. She said that's that's for older people like you lot. And uh-huh. I laughed. She <laughs> said, No, I mean it. She said, and like to her, drinking is something that you lot used to do. Yeah. Now I thought about this, and I thought, well, what, how does that work then? When you think about it, like we're having this conversation now, we would have to be face to face to do this before the internet. And more often than not, you'd be in a pub or you'd yeah. be somewhere. And meeting all my friends revolved around alcohol. Any social event revolved around alcohol, we'd all have to meet. But they don't do that anymore. They talk to each other on their phones, on Zoom. They don't very often go and see each other face to face. Because they're not going to these places, I think they just don't get hooked up in this whirlwind of alcohol.
0: Yeah, the culture that we the were culture, brought up in. It's
1: just yeah. not there anymore. And... They just think, why would you want to do that?
0: And did, we didn't have coffee shops. There's a lot more choice these days.
1: I've, I've just discovered coffee shops because I wouldn't go in them before. No, I wouldn't. Alcohol. What's the point? Yeah, yeah. I actually said to somebody who I know, I walked past a coffee shop in the same town they live. And I stopped and I actually put my head in the door and said, kettle broke. <laughs> in the same town having a coffee. But now I love going in coffee shops. Yeah. We sit there and I'll have a coffee and, and it's just a really nice place to just relax be for a while
0: yeah it is yeah pretend you're a tourist in your own town
1: i can sit in there and start helping people
0: giving <laughs> advice at people across yeah, the phone <laughs> <you're throwing advice.
1: laughs> oh, so what
0: what advice this is this is something i ask everybody oh, okay what advice would you give to yourself on day one, from this vantage point, if you had a time machine and could go back?
1: Well, that's a good question. From day one of my sobriety? Yeah, so what advice would you give yourself? I would probably say, probably don't get involved too much on what you see on social media. Find your own lane. If you find your own lane and stay in it, it'll work out. Honestly, don't get too... I'm very easily influenced, well, I was. Um, If I'm watching Peaky Blinders, I'd go and buy a Peaky Blinders hat, you know what I mean? Or if I'm watching, I'm very easy influenced. influence. I'd wanted to do this. And so when I see a certain group of people on Instagram, I think, oh, I'm going to follow them and I'll join them and I'll be part of their gang. And then it's just stay calm, stay in your own lane. Just keep going forward because yeah. it will get better. It'll get easier, which it does. We all know that. I mean, the first month can be quite hard work. It's not impossible. You know, so don't get disheartened, anybody. But it, it's then after that, it's just plain, it's just so much better. And just stay in that lane. Just keep going. And people will find you. If you're looking to connect, you'll shine. You'll shine like a beacon. You know, you really will. Try and stay with an open mind. Because, I mean, I don't really do a lot on Facebook. The only time I use Facebook is for a group but it is an echo chamber. All of a sudden, you all you're dealing with is some people who are sober talking about being sober. Yeah. So you, you end up in a very narrow field, and you don't sort of learn about anything else. There's no association. No. If you open an encyclopedia, you'd perhaps read the page before what you were looking at and after, and you'd perhaps pick up additional information, where with Facebook, it's straight, that linear line of sober people. It's just to open your eyes and you can still have friends who drink. No, I'm sober and you're not. We can't be friends anymore. It's just have a conversation with them. So look, when we go out, um, you know I don't drink. Oh, but that doesn't change our relationship. But more often than not, it won't. Yeah, it really
0: doesn't. Not with real friends. It really real doesn't friends, make a difference.
1: No. And if they don't want to accommodate you, then they're not really a friend anyway, are they?
0: Well, no, exactly. And you will meet, like you say, I love that idea of... Just be yourself and the right people will be attracted to you yeah, and you're absolutely. going to make those friendships. I've made some beautiful friendships on Instagram, but I've also got beautiful friendships in real life as yeah. well with people who drink, you know.
1: Yeah, it's right. It's, it's just something, you know, it's like two people who who support two different football teams. They might go to the pub and they'll talk about it and have fun and jive at each other, but they're friends. Yeah. You know, you can agree to disagree on certain things. If you don't want to talk about it, you can agree to disagree and say, "Okay, when we're together, we won't talk about it. But I I won't be drinking. But that's as far as we need to talk about. When you say to somebody, oh, I don't drink anymore. The first thing they'll do is say, well, I don't really drink that much anyway. I only have to. You know, it doesn't need a response. You just say, look, I don't drink. That's all we need to say.
0: Well, I think that's some really sound advice. So just keep your keep your ears and eyes open. The right people will will be drawn to you and don't compare as well isn't it it's like don't look at somebody else and think well they're getting up at five and going cold water swimming and I mean I'd love to do that oh I wouldn't do you know am I being easily led there maybe I don't want to do that maybe I I just think I'm looking at it
1: (laughs) um thought about getting the barrel the whatever it's called you know in the garden I'll get an old whiskey barrel it'll look great I'll fill it full of water
0: yeah good for Uh, the gram
1: (laughs) yeah good for the gram yeah great and I just thought there's no way it would have to be Warm, and I'd have to be telling fibs. Don't see yeah. the steam coming out of it. Ignore that. But, uh, <laughs> I, I just couldn't do it, and I I don't want to do it. So that's, that's that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sometimes too easily led. I yeah, just I'm look not... and I think that looks like a great idea until you actually think about it. Didn't you go in the sea?
1: Yeah, I did it twice, and I don't bother taking any swimming costume or shorts. I just stripped down to my pants, and I just went straight into the water, and and Wendy went. Oh, my God. She said, I love that. She said, you look the happiest I've ever seen you. And it was just something spontaneous. You just stripped off. Didn't care who was around. Went into the water. And I've done it twice. It was very refreshing, but I wouldn't want to be a cold water swimmer.
0: No. Well, maybe that's not on the to-do list. But oh, it has been an absolute delight to talk to you. I've really, really enjoyed it. We've had so much in common. It's... Yes. Yeah, no, not just sobriety.
1: covers lots of few different things and I've really enjoyed it. Wow.
0: Well, thank you very, very much. If you'd like to find out more about my own path to sobriety and how I did it, you can now get my book, Becoming a Sober Rebel, available as an audiobook as well on Amazon and on Audible. In it, I've combined my knowledge as a cognitive behavioural therapist and also as someone, even despite doing that job, who struggled to get sobriety to stick in the first place. How I overcame my own mindset and own beliefs about alcohol to strengthen and motivate me. I needed to make the necessary mindset shifts that changed everything. And so in the book, I reflect on where my attitude to alcohol started and I work out why I found it so hard to walk away from it in the first instance. Why I was sabotaging my own success And also, why wasn't I using the tools from my professional life that I knew would have worked? I speak about tools to help you calm your mind naturally, how to deal with sober emotions, how to lift your mood if you're feeling low. I help you with any anxious feelings. We talk about the think, feel, act cycle and how we can use that in habit change. And so it's packed full of tools and techniques for dealing with everything from anxiety panic attacks and low mood, through to helping you with cravings. Thank you to everybody who's left comments, messages and reviews on the book and on this podcast. I can't quite believe how many people it's reaching, so thank you so much and thank you for listening.